Well, good morning. My name is Andrew Evans. I'm a deacon. Let's do what Sulmani does. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you. We are studying the book of Proverbs. You might have noticed in our reading, it was thematic, but not continuous. So if you'd like to open your Bibles, you are welcome to, to Proverbs chapter 10, verses 19 through 21. We will look at those verses for probably 10% of the sermon. <laughs> um, but that's a, as good a place of any to, to keep your finger, if you'd like. That's on page 455 of the floppy gray Bible. Let me pray for us as we begin. Speak, O Lord. Your servants are listening. Your words are life. And we would hear them. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine if you walk out of your house in the morning, one morning, and you can't communicate with anybody. The signs all look like they're written in some Akkadian foreign script that you can't understand. You think you're speaking intelligible sentences, but nobody else can understand you. You can't speak more slowly and people understand you. You can't write a note on your phone. None of that's working. And imagine if everybody else has the same problem as well. Nobody can communicate. What would happen? Well, you probably wouldn't be able to go to Peregrine and order your double-shot mocha espresso latte with soy milk. That requires words. You can't say that. Um, you wouldn't be able to invite your friends over for brunch. You wouldn't be able to go to the store to buy what you need for brunch in the first place. Your money wouldn't work. The metro wouldn't work. The streets would be chaos. If we aren't able to communicate, if our words aren't able to transmit meaning, odds are, beyond like pointing and grunts, we're not going to be able to do much of anything. Society is going to start to collapse. Words, language, speech, writing, these things are everywhere in our lives. We rely on them so much. In fact, they're so ubiquitous that we can start to forget about just how important and central language is to our lives. We're studying the book of Proverbs. We're continuing our series there. And Proverbs is teaching us how to live wisely. And so since language is so central to our lives, it's not surprising that Proverbs has a lot to say about how to use words wisely. These Proverbs tell us a number of things. We're going to look at them in a, in a number of different ways, but fundamentally what they teach us is this. Wise words give life by showing the heart of God. Wise words give life by showing the heart of God. And I want us to consider what it looks like to speak and write and use our words wisely by considering three questions. First, what's the power of wise words or words generally? Second, what's their color? What do they look like? What's the color of wise words? And third, what's the source of wise words? So the power, the color, the source. That's where we're going this morning. So first, let's talk about the power of language, the power of words. 
You've probably heard that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You also probably know that it's wrong. Because we've all felt the pain of a barbed comment jabbed right at us. And so we know that words have the power to hurt. Words carry power, don't they? And Proverbs has an awful lot to say about the power that words carry. Consider this proverb. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Words are penetrating. They go deep. But they don't just go deep into the soul. They don't just go deep into our emotions. They actually, this proverb tells us that they go into our bodies. There's a physicality here. And this physicality is actually in a number of these proverbs. Listen to this. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Isn't it interesting? Gracious words, they help the soul, as you would expect, but they also bring health to the body. There's a physical impact of words. And listen to this. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. There's a sense here that wise words provide. But it's not, I don't think that this provision is simply a a sort of metaphorical provision, or that the death here that the fools have is just kind of a metaphorical death. I think that there's actually a real sense that this is pointing to that words affect the physical world. People eat because of what people say. Words carry that kind of power. Words shape the world. That thought experiment at the beginning was actually taken basically straight from Genesis. It's the story of Babel, where the story at the very beginning makes a point of noting that everybody had one language. Everybody spoke with one tongue. And the result was that they were able to, because of the power of that common language, they were able to shape their physical world by building a giant tower. And so God came down and confused their language. But let me give you a slightly more personal example of how words can have a physical impact. Some of you are familiar with the work of the psychiatrist Kurt Thompson. He lives in Falls Church. He's written a number of books. Um, he's done a lot of work in the field of interpersonal neurobiology, which is a mouthful. But th this field has a number of very practical implications, and one of which has to do with the areas of our life that we are profoundly ashamed of. There are parts of our lives that we just don't want to tell other people about. And in fact, we're really afraid that they will find out about these parts of our lives. And this, this fear, this shame creates all sorts of problems for us. And the solution is actually to speak about this area of shame to somebody that you trust. And if they receive it well, then it can create a lot of health and a lot of healing. And this healing, though, isn't just at the emotional level. It's not just where you feel better. The result of speaking these words and these words being received well is actually that your mind starts to rewire itself, that your brain changes, and your body starts to feel differently. Because these words, they're carrying so much power in this relational context. 
Do you see just how powerful words are? There's another proverb that I think really captures just how powerful words are. It's Proverbs chapter 18, verses 21. It says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Think about that. Death and life. Being and not being. Flourishing and wholeness versus disintegration and nothingness. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your words, what you say, what you write, what you text, what you tweet, these carry so much power, even to the point of affecting death and life itself. What immense power. Do you think about your words this way? Do you think about and consider just how powerful the words that you say, the words that you write, how much power they carry? Not only to shape the world, but more, even more profoundly, to shape the people around us. Words have so much power. Now, if you're feeling like this maybe is overstating things, or maybe you're just like kind of thinking, wow, this is, this is kind of crazy. I don't think we should be. In Proverbs, we've been looking at how wisdom comes from following the grain of the world, from living according to the way that God created the world, following the grain of creation. But think about how God created the world. In Genesis chapter 1, that has the creation, it says eight times, and God said, and God said. God first demonstrated his power by speaking. So it shouldn't be any surprise to us that our words carry tremendous power as well. Words are powerful. They carry the ability to, to build up and tear down, to give peace, to create war, to create death and life. Just like a, the small rudder on a ship is powerful enough to control an entire ship, our words have so much power. Are you feeling intimidated by just how much power your words have? This should drive us to the question, and this is our second question. If words are so powerful, what does it look like to use our words well? What is the color, if you will, of wise words? And Proverbs here has an awful lot to tell us. Before we sort of dive into the nitty gritty, and I have a nice acronym for you, which I'm very proud of. Let me give you a little note on, on Jewish wisdom literature and how it works. Proverbs is an ancient book written thousands of years ago, and there's this sort of peculiar char character of it, and it's, it's sort of different than Greek philosophy, if you will, in that it's, it has a kind of earthy character. It's, it uses exaggeration sometimes, overstatement, apparent contradiction, and it's very, very attuned to circumstances. Proverbs don't always apply in every circumstance. They're not sort of abstract truths that are always true. So we, they challenge you to think about when is this true? So, so keep that question in mind as we're thinking through these Proverbs. So wise words, broadly speaking, I think we can, we can remember this. Wise words are spoken for the sake of other people. They seek to build up other people. 
And Proverbs here gives us a number of angles on this, kind of like a diamond that you hold up, and it has different angles that reflect the light in different ways. So what does this look like? The first angle. Here, listen to this proverb. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Wise words are true. They speak truth. What people fundamentally need from us is truth. But they don't just need the truth from us, do they? It matters how we say what we're saying. Listen to this proverb. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Softness, tenderness, gentleness, this is the path of wisdom as we speak. Another proverb gives us something similar. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. Softness, patience, tenderness, gentleness, this is the path of wisdom. This is typically how we win people, right? This is wise speech. Now, is this always true? Is it always true that it's wise to speak softly and gent gently? I think that if we start to think about it, we realize that it probably isn't always true. This past week, my wife and I were getting ready to grill for our dinner, and I had started the charcoal in our backyard. We have a little chimney starter where you light a piece of paper underneath the charcoal, and I had, had lit the paper underneath and was starting to smoke. And so Peter, our 19-month-old son, decided that this was the perfect time to go play right next to the chimney. And so I was preparing for this sermon, and so I was remembering you know, a, a, a soft tongue, you know, wards off wrath. So as I'm thinking about that and watching my son play with fire, I'm like, I'm going to be very gentle, I'm going to be very gracious, like gently try to pull him away. And my wife, who was in our garden 15 feet away, saw what was going on, and she was not gentle. She immediately snapped and said, snapped not in a bad way, but sort of snapped into action and said, no, get away from there. She was harsh, she was direct, she was pointed. Was she unwise? No, she wasn't. She was actually profoundly wise. She saw that her son was in danger, that her husband was too lost to be able to do anything competent about it. <laughs> but here's the secret, right? She was harsh not because she was frustrated. She was pointed not because she was angry. She was direct because she loves her son. And that's what he needed in that moment. She spoke with directness and force and not softness because that was what her son needed. Wise speech considers the needs of the other people. And typically, that's going to mean that you're speaking softly and gently. Because you're caring about the other person. And when you care for the other person and you're seeking their good, you're going to speak somewhat more softly, somewhat more tenderly, somewhat more gently. Because you love them and you don't want to just beat them up. Typically, when we're speaking with harshness, I can speak from experience here, it's coming out of a place internally not of care and love, but of anger, of frustration, of annoyance, of fear. We're speaking out of our own sense of need and not of the needs of the other person. But wise speech looks to the needs of the other person and seeks to meet them in that need. And that typically means speaking softly, 
speaking gently. There's another angle on what wise speech looks like. Listen to this proverb. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Restraint. We speak with restraint. This is part of what it looks like to speak wisely, not just vomiting out on them, but seeking to know what they need, and when we're in doubt, we leave it out. Restraint. Finally, think about this other angle. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. Timing is immensely important as well for wise speech, isn't it? We can speak the true word in the kindest way, but if we lack the right timing, it can still do damage, can't it? And this, this timing requires restraint sometimes, waiting until later, but sometimes it requires courage, doesn't it? Because speaking a true word and a good word sometimes means stepping into a place of conflict and giving them the word that they need. So it requires courage sometimes as well. So wise speech cares for the other person. It seeks their good. And here's your acronym, if you like it. Wise speech has the character of being a star. It's soft, it's true, it's appropriate, and restrained. You can pre-order my forthcoming book on star, star speech coming out soon, wherever you buy your books. So our, our speech has this characteristic, right? But the challenge here is that this is really hard. So often, too often, I've spoken not out of a desire to build up the other person, but out of a, a sense of, of fear or anger or, or self-defense. How do we find the ability to speak with this kind of wisdom in the heat of the moment? When events are crashing down on us, how do we find the ability there? What is the source, most fundamentally, of this kind of wise speech? This is our third, our third question. What's the source? And, and these Proverbs tell us that the source is fundamentally a righteous heart. A righteous heart is the source of wise speech. Hear, hear this proverb. We've already heard it once. Let me read it again. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. Words provide, but it's the words of the righteous that provide. Listen to this proverb. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. It's the words of the righteous that last, that prove themselves to be of enduring value, of the righteous. And so these Proverbs, they invite us to ask, are we righteous? And I think the answer, if we're honest with ourselves, is kind of mixed, right? We often do good things. We care for our neighbors, we volunteer at church maybe, we help our neighbors. We often are doing good things. But these Proverbs are actually challenging us to look deeper than just the things that we do. They challenge us to look at our heart. Listen again to this last proverb. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked 
is of little worth. Did you catch the contrast there of what's being contrasted? It's the tongue of the righteous compared to the heart of the wicked. And this comparison is made because what we say fundamentally comes out of our heart. The shape, the condition of our heart, of our inner being, our inmost self, actually shapes what we say. We heard this in our gospel reading. Jesus said this, Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart is where words come from. So the challenge here, as we consider, am I righteous, is to look in my inmost being, in my heart, to see, am I righteous there? Is that where I'm righteous? And the answer, if we're honest, is no, right? There are always parts in every one of our hearts that we are scared that other people will see. Because we know that they're not righteous. There are motivations, there are desires that we think, this isn't right. And I don't want other people to see this. But I don't know how to change it. And fundamentally, this is why we mess up our speech. This is why we don't speak with wisdom. Because our heart isn't totally righteous. So what we need is a new heart. And this complicates how we go about coming up with good and wise speech, doesn't it? It means that we can't just read the forthcoming book on star speech. It means that we can't just go to Toastmasters twice a month in the evening and, and develop those skills. No amount of method, no amount of study will produce the wise speech that Proverbs is calling us to. We need something deeper. And there's a clue in one of the first Proverbs that we studied. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. God's speech is true because God himself is true. This is the character of our God. And that principle holds for all of wise speech. Our speech is soft because God is tender and gentle. Our speech is true because God is true. Our God is appropriate because Christ came in the fullness of time. Our speech should be restrained because God is patient and restrained even with us. Our speech needs to carry the character of God himself to be wise. And my friends, this is what Jesus came to do in you. When Jesus came, he lived the perfect life, died the death you should have died, and then rose again. The result, if you look to him in faith, is that your heart can actually be changed, can become righteous, can become pure. This is the good news of the gospel, that we are not lost in the, in the grime of our hearts, but that he comes in and transforms us and gives us a new heart. This is the promise of the Old Testament fulfilled in the New Testament. That Christ gives his people a new heart. All those who are looking to him in faith. And this, most fundamentally, is the source of wise speech. It's a heart renewed by God to look like God. That is the source of wise speech. In order to have this, we must have faith in Jesus. We must be relying on him in everything that we do. 
No study, no technique will get us there. We need to be renewed in our hearts to have wise speech. So friends, our words have so much power, so much power. They have the power to do so much good, and we must steward that power wisely. Those words need to be soft, true, appropriate, restrained. But they fundamentally need to come from a righteous heart. And that's what Jesus gives us. So friends, let's use our words wisely. Let's look to faith in Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.